passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome back, everybody, to Post Pro Res. I'm John Pollock, alongside, as always, the the stalwart of the Post Pro Res brand. He is WH Park. Hello, WH. Oh, hi, John. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, a fantastic show, as always, that uh, you put out uh, just recently, last week, in fact, uh, with, with Karen. And you also had a long and winding Royal Road with Rich Fan. So some great, some great shows coming out with WH and company. Oh, thanks, John. By the way, have you have you seen that match with Kobashi versus Stan Hansen? I watched it last summer. I I watched it uh, when I did a show with Davey and Braden. I ended up watching that match uh, before we recorded that show. So I watched it in the last year. Okay, like it's been a while since I watched it, and then you know, Rich picked the match, and then I just watched it again. I was just like, my God, this is like one of the best, like performances from both guys but especially with Hansen because he's not the dominant person in that match but he's doing his role perfectly which is to get Kobashi over and I just thought if you haven't watched this match folks just go watch it and then then go listen to the show that me and Rich did it's 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 a great companion to it have you read Stan Hansen's book I I'm kind of on and off with the book like it's on my kindle and I think I'm like halfway through I think he's met his wife by now okay (laughs) the chapter I'm at so it's it's one of those things like I'm really fascinated by it, but then I just put it down and then I get distracted by other things. And then it'll be like probably a month from now, I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to start reading it again. It, it's a really great look, mainly because he's – I always appreciate the the people that could be – like are huge historical figures, but don't necessarily view themselves in like any – you know, significant light above anybody else. Like he has a certain humbleness and he has every right to be, you know, completely full of himself. If he so chose uh, like a real legendary figure in Japan, but we are now 20 years removed from his retirement that, you know, he's, he's a generation removed from, I think the audience understanding just how significant he was over there. And if you are uh, a fan of in the United States, like you were probably limited to what you saw of Stan Hansen, unless you have gone and sought out his his Japanese stuff. I mean, the thing with Stan Hansen is that he is actually a, a cultural icon, huge over there. Like that, people who they find out that I'm a wrestling fan, like especially of Japanese wrestling and especially of like old Japanese wrestling, that they'll ask me if I know who Stan Hansen is, and of course I say yeah, and then they'll do the youth like youth like to me, so, like I had people at work do that for me, and they you watch wrestling and they go no no, but they know who Stan Hansen is, and this wow. is people like maybe. 15, 20 years younger than me. And I'm just like, he still has that kind of 
you know, penetration into the consciousness of, of, of Japanese society, which is qu- quite amazing. But, you know, like, just quickly on his book, like, I think one of my favorite parts of the book, he's, he's talking, telling the story about, like, going on tour and, and Harley Race is on the tour. And Harley Race wants to have breakfast, but they're late to get on the bus to go to the next town. And, and Joe Higuchi, legendary, you know, all Japan referee Joe Higuchi goes to Harley and says, hey, Harley, you need to get on the bus. And Harley's like, no, I'm going to have my breakfast. And then, and then Harley Race was never booked for All Japan after that. Well, on uh, God's Green Earth didn't include uh, All Japan, I guess. No. Well, it's it's a it's an interesting book. I, I read it. Uh, I think I reread it last last year. I definitely read it last summer uh, before me, Davy, and Braden did a a best match ever on on Stan Hansen. A, a year I remember ago. that show. I listened it was to a fun it. show. Good. Yeah, it was. It was good. It was a great listen. Well, we have a lot to go through. You know, WH, when you suggested doing uh, post-pro-res more than monthly, um, I didn't really have much hesitation that there would be a lot of subjects to cover. But every two weeks, I mean, Grod, this is uh, back-to-back weeks for you, but we have a ton of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean, like, the, just the, the whole kind of mess of, like, you know, the, the pandemic in, in, in Japan, especially with, like, their very, you know, slow state of getting vaccinated over there. I knew it was bad, uh, but when you sent me that article, I mean, man, did that really put it into perspective of just how slow this process is. And it's not just by availability, it's very much like a, a mindset as well of of those that are resistant to vaccinations. Yeah, it's just, you know, there's been unfortunate history of like, you know, like scandals and, and you know, bad, bad bad things happening with regards to vaccinations for other things that it's kind of lingering in the consciousness of, of, of Japanese society. But the other thing is, it's like, you know, they were, they were slow to approve anything beyond Pfizer over there because they really wanted to create their own homegrown, you know, vaccine to be able to like pump money back into their economy with like a, you know, pharmaceutical company that, that was based in Japan. But you know, like it's, it's just, they're kind of paying for all that kind of short sightedness now. Yeah, so you have this um, this incredible uh, dilemma of the the pandemic and where things are at in Japan uh, with the Olympics just a couple of months away, which are they are going forward with. And then this week, uh, WH, as you know, we can't be shocked by this, but the state of emergency has been extended. Obviously, uh, a major issue that's going on in Japan and wrestling is not a priority, but for the sake of this show, uh, that's obviously, you know, where, what, what impact is this going to have on the, the wrestling industry over the next little while? Because it seems that it's going in one direction and, you know, with the news of New Japan just announcing, uh, that, Two people have tested positive. They have not revealed names, but this uh, led to a number of people being removed from Tuesday's uh, Dontaku, the second night of Dontaku in Fukuoka, and then the subsequent announcement that uh, two people had, in fact, tested positive after displaying symptoms. I just want to point out, like, my guest, like, last week, Karen Peterson, on her Twitter, she pointed out, like, a a website or a radio show that – erroneously listed that that you know it was officially announced that Kazuchika Okada and and Sho were the ones who were infected or Yo was infected but you know Karen made a good point in saying like listen like that kind of information is highly highly confidential New Japan put nothing official on their website and so like anyone's reporting that it's anyone is probably wrong so don't believe anything you see on any website that that doesn't have like official backing from like you know a source from like new japan itself um i don't think we'll ever find out who these two people are like i mean you know noah had had an infection with keno and they officially announced that but unless these guys like are 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 like comfortable with revealing that they were the ones who tested positive not even new japan can like force them to like reveal like they're like that status, right? Like publicly reveal this stuff. So just be cautious people of like anything you hear, like, Oh my God, it was, it was desperado. It was like so-and-so don't, don't believe unless you hear it officially from the company. 
So we'll start off with New Japan and just off the top, earlier this week, it was made official that the two Wrestle Grand Slam cards are going to be postponed. Of course, May 15th was supposed to be at Yokohama Stadium. We had only had one match announcement and then the Tokyo Dome for May 29th with Kazuchika Okada challenging Will Ospreay for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. They stated in their release that they are finalizing dates to uh, extend or put these shows off for later in the year. We don't know those dates as of yet. So not much to discuss in that sense, but the state of emergency obviously throwing a lot of curveballs towards not just New Japan, but all promotions uh, when it comes to event planning. And in theory, their next major card is going to be Dominion June the 6th, uh, which is taking place in Osaka. So WH, let's go back to Dontaku from this past week, the two nights that they spent in Fukuoka, starting off with night number one. Yeah, um, in terms of, uh, we can go back on New Japan because I do want to get some of your thoughts on, uh, Dontaku. So we can go in order here. They had their, their two nights and the first night featured the much anticipated Iron Finger from Hell ladder match, uh, followed by Jay White's, uh, victory over Hiroshi Tanahashi winning, uh, the never open weight championship. Uh, what of night one did you see? Did you just immediately fast forward to the ladder match to take it in? I, I did, John. I, I made a point of watching this ladder match. And, and I have to say, I, I don't know in hindsight which was funnier, the the fall off the cage from Chris Jericho onto the cardboard-covered crash pad from uh, the uh, Blood and Guts match or this fucking glove being put in a clear fucking plastic bag from, from a shopping mall, obviously, suspended over the ring, and you had to get to this shopping bag using a ladder. And and I just thought the sight of this thing in a shopping bag was just so hilarious. And it just it just epitomized the state of fucking New Japan to me right there. Well, this ladder match was certainly not a ladder match that I think I'm ever going to remember. Uh, they went over 27 minutes. I mean, I, I was... I haven't been a big fan of this battle over the Iron Fingers. If some enjoy it, that's cool. Um, it hasn't really grabbed me. Um, at the end of it, it to me was just, it's a ladder match I'm never going to think of again. I'm really burnt out on ladder matches in general. So I, I don't know. The, the novelty is beyond worn off for me of just, we'll put a ladder in the middle and that will instantly, um, add to the, the match. I think you have to go a lot deeper than that. Uh, but maybe I'm in the minority that people still, Hey, you put a ladder in and that grabs people's interest. Well, I, I, I don't think you're in the minority, John. I, I watch this and, you know, I try to go, maybe I'll find something to enjoy out of it. Just that, like, you know, for ironic sakes, you know, or something like that. But I just came out of this thinking, my God, this was complete shit. Like, it was terrible. It was a terrible match. Like, Tamatanga, and you know, Benno, Benno put it really well. This guy is like the most bang average dude in the world of wrestling. He he really is. And he's the most bang average guy who gets a constant push in one of the biggest companies in the world. Like, there are bang average guys in every level of professional wrestling from like your small indie to the WWE. But my God, none of them get the push that this fucking guy gets. And he just bores the shit out of me. And I, and I made a point to Benno. Benno was like, what, what's he actually good for? And I said, Benno, he's actually a really good piss break wrestler. Cause that's when you see Tabataga, when you hear his music come on, GOD is going to come up for a title defense. That's the perfect time. Go take a piss. One, the entrance is so fucking long. Two, the match is going to be boring. So might as well go for a piss. And I remember John, when he was in the G1, the last G1 he was in, I was at the show in Osaka. His music came on, and I said, and I tweeted out, time for a piss break. This is the perfect, you know, Tamatanga is a perfect piss break wrestler. And some Tamatanga fan replied to me, says, you're wrong. And so I replied back with a picture that I took of the line, the long line to get into the washroom during his match. And I said, no, I'm not. Here's the proof. (laughs) Oh, that's such a WH Park response, Uh, (laughs) sending the, the lineup. Uh, well, let's go to the main event. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Jay White. Uh, they went 39 minutes. This was all built around the, uh, the TTO and the JTO. And, uh, we got Jay White getting the win, uh, after the Blade Runner, uh, coming at the end after he was able to counter a dragon suplex, uh, attempt. But, uh, the latest chapter in the White Tanahashi chronology. Yeah. I, I actually, 
thought this was a pretty decent match. I, d- I do think it was kind of long. But one thing I, I enjoyed about it was that, you know, Jay White did not resort to his, you know, usual tropes or, or formula. There was like very little to, to know, you know, jumping out to the ring to, to stall at the beginning. There's not that much interference from Ghetto, thankfully. Um, it was pretty I, minimal. I, like they limited it to like the, the one spot where Tanahashi was making Jay White tap. So it was a, a, a significant spot of the match, but I never found it to be, uh, groan inducing. They really kind of capped it to the one major spot. Yeah, and I, I really like the story, the limb, the limb story, like yeah. you know, working each other's legs, and I thought they told it really, really well. Um, I, and I and I like the fact they didn't go into like you know long reversal sequence at the end of the match. He just won with the Blade Runner. Good, like that. That's a, more I like to see that with Jay White. I, I think there's a potential for me to actually enjoy his matches more if they're if they're more like this. I do I do think it was a little excessively long for me. Like I'm really burned out by these long. New Japan matches that that just take me out of it after like watching like 15 minutes or something. I'm just like, what what's the point of all this? But like the other thing is like, I'm not exactly sure I'm excited about Jay White being the never champion because I do think there's a there there could have been more done with the belt to elevate it more with Tanahashi as the champion because Tanahashi has more cachet as as a legacy wrestler within the company, more so than Jay White. Uh, If Jay White ends up defending this thing and he's doing it cleanly against like a ton of people, whether they're heavyweights and junior heavyweights, then I'll be open-minded about like, you know, like how much I'll enjoy his reign or not. But I just think they, it was a wasted opportunity. And and to me, it's just like indicative of how they treat titles in New Japan. It's, it's very, very WWE like, you know, like where they were like hotshot titles every like two three months and like maybe only one or two defenses and and i i just don't want to see that happen in in japanese wrestling especially in the company with the history of new japan yeah i mean it's it's something that i i thought that the choice to go with tanahashi with the never championship it was i think it's like this this trap we always fall into that this is going to be the time they really give this never championship some clear definition and a theme to it and it seems like with Tanahashi they kind of were like you could make these really interesting matches with him some fresh opponents um but flipping it back to Jay White it just seems like it is not a title that they are necessarily going to put on someone for any extended period of time uh to your point I think they uh just feel the need that They've got to keep these titles moving in very quick fashion. And that's been across the board. I, I actually feel like they should never have taken off Shingo. I think he was the best person to really kind of elevate that title and himself while he was holding it for if he was able to hold it for, you know, like another four months, have a couple, you know, like three or four more defenses. That would have been great. But it is what it is. I, I think, you know, we the days of me being excited about like titles in this company are, are, are kind of gone for now. Uh, well, that takes us to the second night, which again had a lot of, uh, a number of people uh, removed from the show, including they lost the junior heavyweight title match between El Desperado and yo. Uh, so all focus was on the main event for the IWGP world heavyweight championship. They went close to 45 minutes with Will Ospreay retaining the championship. This match has received Outstanding praise. I, I have been critical in the past that New Japan has kind of fallen into this, uh, this pattern of lengthy main events, but I have to say for both nights, WH, I, I did not have a complaint with like the time. Like you could argue Jay White and Tanahashi 39 was a bit long, but to me, it was not a detriment. And to me, I had no issue with this on, on night two. I, I think for me, if I was watching it live unspoiled, I probably would have enjoyed it more. That that being said, I I did give it a good rating. Like I, I gave it like I think four and a quarter or four and a half stars. And and I I don't I didn't go five because like I I do think the length hurt it for me a little. At no point did I think I was like necessarily bored. I just felt there were segments of the match where they were just filling time, like and where like I didn't see what the point was of like why are they doing this? Oh. Okay, is it going to play? And then later on, like when the match is done, it's like, well, I don't really think they, I think they're just filling time. Like, not to saying like their filling time was boring or anything like that. It's just like, to me, I, I like to see things more have purpose, you know, especially as I watch older stuff that, that, you know, that has, every, 
nearly everything has purpose in it. But that being said, like what a what a you know amazing physical display from both Shingo Takagi and, and Will Ospreay. Like the that crazy made in Japan through the tables. Like Jesus, I thought Osprey was, was gonna was dead or something there. But yeah, I, I mean my I think my big problem with Osprey as champion in general is like I just don't think his his, his work is there. You know, like he's a main event worker. Like his his athleticism and and I think the way he he does his matches is is main event level. I just don't buy this character. And I listening to your review with Way about this this match, I, I do agree. I think he's gotten better, and and I'm, I'm continuing to hope to like see him kind of evolve the character. But I at no point do I actually believe that he's like this new version of Ric Flair talking about like his I don't know like two thousand dollar Gucci bathrobe that looks like shit by the way um i don't care how much he paid for it if he did actually pay that much money but the other thing is like i don't believe that he's the leader of this group like i don't believe any of these guys would trust him to lead them to like a ramen restaurant in tokyo let alone the guide their careers in the you know one of the biggest companies in the world but i i think what we're seeing now is like this shift of the united empire being kind of like this brotherhood of like guys who are genuinely like 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 each other and want to help each other you know you know um kind of rise in the companies I, I think if that's the route they go with united empire i'll probably get into it more um but yeah i think it was a really good match i just you know kind of wish it wasn't 45 minutes because i think there would there could it could have been I, I i'm more a fan of like tighter uh and like less mm, dead spots kind of in, in matches, but other, otherwise like, Hey, I don't think it was a bad match. I just don't think it was a match of the year for me, for me at least. Yeah. That, hey, that's uh, a fair opinion for me. Like my litmus test is like, if you're going to go this length, um, it has to be of that caliber of one of the best matches of the year. And I, I would categorize this one as that. So that's where it kind of got me on the United empire front. I'm, I do think like Jeff Cobb seems to have really found his footing. I think Hanare and Great Okan are still big question marks of where they're ultimately going to settle. With Hanare, it's very new. Uh, Great Okan, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I haven't quite connected with this character at all. Um, but with Jeff Cobb, like I do, I do sense like that kind of, he's kind of found his role in the group and has been able to display that presence. So I'm, I'm really optimistic for Cobb later this year. And it's just, I guess, a question of what kind of role he's going to play. Is he going to be primarily in uh, a singles role? Uh, is he going to be paired with Hanare or Okan? Because uh, there's a lot you can do with Jeff Cobb. He would be somebody that hopefully for, for the G1, you have him maybe on an opposite block from Osprey and he can, you know, get some, some big wins this year. I think with, the, the success of Cobb recently is that New Japan finally decided to like push him the way they should, which is like as a monster, as an athletic monster who does not get taken off his feet, who does not lose. Like that's, that was a problem before. Like as a baby face, he, he was like getting beat by people like who shouldn't be beating him and he was getting taken off his feet a lot. Like you push this guy like he's a new version of Scott Norton. That's how I like how I view it. Like that's the kind of, and you know, analogy I would draw is like not not necessarily you know Big Ben Bader or anything like, but like Scott Norton would be a perfect like okay, this is how you push it. Scott Norton was like a guy that was a perennial guy who who toured with New Japan, and he was kind of like the 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 muscle of like different groups, usually led by like Masahiro Chono, like whether it's New, J New NWO Japan or Team Two Thousand, whatever. But eventually, like they gave him a shot at the belt because they, they trusted him and they thought, okay, you're going to add some stability to this title and we want to kind of reward you for it. I think that could be like Jeff Cobb's role. I can, I can see him eventually like being the muscle, not necessarily of Osprey like two, three years down the line, but like as a person that they trust and that they feel that, you know what, you deserve a run with the title. But you know, you know who deserves a real run with the title, John? That's Shingo Takagi. If if anything else, if nothing else, this match just showed to me like he's ready. He's ready to take that title, be, become the face of the company. And I, I think the Japanese fans, the New Japan fans in Japan, are ready to see that. Like I just felt watching this, and I felt this for like quite a while now, for the last several months with like his big matches, is that the the fans there, they they want to see it. Like they're hungry for this guy to be like their champion. And I think because they realize that, hey, if he's 
our IWGP heavyweight champion, he's going to represent the company that we back really, really well and have like excellent matches with everyone because he's so fucking good. He's probably my wrestler of the year after four months so far. I, 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 I'm probably with you on that. Like, I, I don't know anyone who's had a better year in ring and, and not only just his in ring job, like his persona and the way he carries himself is just, it just screams to me, man, event. And like, it's years of being that guy in Dragon Gate that's really prepared him for this role that I hope they give him. Like, I, I'm hoping still that, like, I'm glad he didn't win the title here. I'm hoping he's going to win the G1, and I and I hope it's something that he's going to, you know, get next January at the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom because I think that would be the perfect culmination of like whatever they're trying to do with Shingo Takagi, which is I I'm theoretically thinking it's 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 leading towards that, but we'll see. Yeah, I think that it's um, he just seems to be completely ready at this moment. Like he's 38. This is the time to go all the way with Takagi, and I think you would have had – I mean, we've said it a million times about the difference of how a Takagi win last year versus an evil one uh, going with that run would have been received, and it just seems that that spot is open. What you had earmarked for evil, I think you insert Takagi into that role. I think it just ultimately comes like, are they into Takagi long-term for one of those very elusive top-end spots? I, I – don't know what more he could do and the audience that is so ready for this guy to be thrust into that position that I I think he has to be a candidate for the G1 and it would be a huge moment if he gets that big win. I mean, speaking of evil, and by the way, I watched the blindfold match with Emiliano. It's terrible. It was- Did you put a blindfold on midway through? No, because I was just like, I just wanted to hate watch it. And, and that's what I ended up doing was just utter garbage. Uh, and, and talking about evil, this is a guy last year, he was the IWGP heavyweight champion and, and people were, and there were people out there telling me, no, this is a good thing. He's good. He's going to be a perennial guy in the top. He's in a fucking comedy match doing blindfold spots and looking like an idiot with Toro Yano. And like, it was a, yeah, you know, John, like you'll see something in wrestling, usually a Monday Night Raw that makes you embarrassed to be watching it. That's what I felt like watching this match. I felt embarrassed to be a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling because they were putting this utter shit on my TV. Yes or no, Daniel Bryan is in a New Japan ring once in the next year. Um, no, I, listen, I, I know like he, his contract has expired and like, I see all the talk on social media about like, oh, where do I, we want to see him go? Like that, that happened the last time. And he just went back to the WWE. And I, and I listen to you guys, you and, you and Wade talk about it on the, your news update for, I think for the, um, excuse me, <clears throat> the, the dynamite review. And, you know, he wants to get that you know, kind of a special clause in whatever contract he, he would probably end up signing with the W where he can work other places. I, I just don't see them letting him work, you know, in a place that they, I, I don't either. Is, I don't either. I think is, it's, is it's a competition it's, to them. It's either, or I think it's, you're either with us or, but I mean, that's, that's what you're, you're giving up is that how, how, how badly does he want to just go out and do all of this different stuff in 2018? He, he wasn't interested. And that's, I mean, you can look at the different landscape of what, like, AEW was not a thing in 2018 versus now, but I, I would imagine, like, he's not looking at just, like, AEW as a difference maker. Like, New Japan existed in 2018. CMLL existed in 2018. All that stuff was out there. Um, I, I think, like, the safe bet is that he ultimately has some, you know, a return to WWE on whatever schedule that is. But I'm with you. Like, I I really would be stunned if WWE went for that kind of a open-ended deal that even allowed him just to do a, a Japanese date or two. I just, it's so against their thinking. And even more so now when you look at their whole global strategy that it's going to all these different places with their brand. It's It, it would be completely counter to that. I, I also think they look at Chris Jericho. And like what happened with him, like doing the New Japan stuff. And that led to really like him, you know, helping form AEW and helping make AEW the success that it is. 
and they think, well, we're not going to get burned like that twice. Cause I, I do think that they probably feel it, especially in the ratings and, and looking at the demos. And, and I, I listen to all those numbers and I just think <laughs> I laugh because I, I hate the monopoly WB has had on this industry for like the last 10, 15 years. So I, I think they don't want a repeat of them. And I think they, they know the value of Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson. If he went out into the open market and joined any roster that had, national or global exposure they they don't want him out there i'm i'm sure they'll like give him a lot of money just to stay and, and stay on smackdown i'm sure they'll give him a nicer schedule and and, and whatever he wants to that extent but they're not going to let him appear on anyone else's show uh let's move on to noah because they had their show on april 29th in nagoya featuring the latest uh title defense by keiji muto uh against masakita mia uh which i did watch the main event of they went uh 23 minutes uh Kitamiya got to get his headbutt in uh these headbutts are feeling more and more frequent of late um that was my biggest complaint i will say this it was like the match was going fine but i will say for the like that final five minute stretch People do get into Muto. Like, it's, it's such, he gets by on so little, but still has that fire at the end as limited as it is that this audience, like, they care at, at the end of where it's just, it, this guy's just a master of knowing the limited gears he has and when to use them because, um, 23 minutes is the absolute max. I think these matches should be going. Yeah. I, I actually enjoyed this. I think this might be the best performance he's had since winning the title um i think it helped that he stayed on the ground a lot and i think he's a very underrated ground wrestler who knows how to do like you know submission holds and do grappling so i think playing that up in his match especially someone who has like you know kind of a, a you know similar grounded approach as kitamiya does it really helped make this match stand out a little, a little bit more than his other outings like i did not enjoy his his match with Kiyomiya at all no um, and Kiyomiya is a way better wrestler than Kiyomiya but like I just think Mudo didn't feel the need to do stuff he can't do in this match he, he was like I'm gonna I know Kiyomiya's limitations as a worker I know mine and this is what we're gonna do we're gonna stay on the ground for the most part and then we're gonna have our sprint at the end and I thought that was a perfect formula and and you know the but I, I'm, I'm kind of tired of this experiment, but I don't think it's going to be done anytime soon because I don't think, you know, you know, his biggest fan, which is the booker of, New G- of Pro Wrestling Noah, no Sawa Ron guy is, is not done with having his hero be the, the top guy in the promotion that he books. So, I mean, his next challenger is Naomi Shimara Fuji. I hope Marafuji takes the title, but, and I think there's a slight possibility that it could happen. But listen, at the at the end of that match, it's it's like Shining Wizard three three times to the head, maybe one off the back of the referee, and Mudo gets the one two three on Fiji. I'm not going to be surprised. I think he's keeping the title. I think they're going to go much further uh, with this t- this this title reign. Um, but yeah, that is set up for June sixth uh, with the Cyber Fight Festival, uh, which will feature all of the uh, the Cyber Agent uh, groups on one card. Um, I guess we will uh, we put an asterisk uh, attached to any events that are scheduled in the next uh, month or so. But this is uh, that's the same weekend as Dominion, so that's a big weekend. Yeah, it's it's really interesting how like Cyberfight is really positioning their themselves as like, hey, we want that slice of the pie that that Bushi Road has, and we're not we don't care if we're gonna have a, a show running at the same time. Like obviously they're in different parts. Like Dominion will be in Osaka. Saitama is north of Tokyo. It's a lot further away from from Osaka than like Tokyo is. Um, but but they're probably gonna be competing for those streaming. Like, you know, those streaming buys that, that they probably want, like, you know, like you can't, we want people to sign up to Russell Universe. We want people to sign up to New Japan World. What's, what's going to happen? Who knows? Like, I, I think this show is going to be massively successful because like with Cyberfight, like neither DDT or Nord Noah or, or even TJPW like have like, you know, overextended themselves with a crazy schedule that New Japan has. Uh, the Noah card also saw, uh, Kazuki Fujita, uh, Drop the uh, G- the GHC national title uh, against Takeshi Sugiura. I did not get to see this, but what did you think of the the title switch? I I, I love this match actually. <laughs> like, and I hate Fujita. 
I hate this man with a passion. But like, hey, you know what? He they didn't do the staring match. They they, they moved away from that. They just had eighteen minute war of attrition, John. Like where they beat the shit out of each other. And and I do like a good beating the shit out of each other match. There are yeah the the dangerous spots with Vegeta like legit soccer kicking people in the head and like you know the the good thing about this and I say that it's good like in a relative sense is that you know like Sikiera is smart enough that like when he when Vegeta is going for the soccer kicks to his head he's covering up with his arm so it's really him kicking his arm but I'm sure that arm is pretty is pre- was pretty useless right after this match. Um, and then, you know, he, you know, Sugiera decided to go for soccer kicks too. I think his were a lot safer, but still my, my thing with Vegeta is that this guy eventually it's a nettle, John, and I hate to say this. He's going to hurt someone seriously. Like, and, and maybe permanently, like if he keeps this up and people just don't like tell him, like, listen, knock it off with this shit. Cause there's going to be one person who's going to do this kick to, to the, to their head. They're not going to cover up as well as Sugiera did. And he's gonna he's gonna seriously brain damage them, and I I don't want to see that happen or come true. But I do feel it's inevitability with how reckless he is with with the way he kicks people. But that being said, did I enjoy the match? Yes, I did. And and do I think it's well worth going out of your way to see? I I do. Like there are some like stiff stiff shots in this, but I I was alive for the entire eighteen minutes that this went. Do you think that uh, Noah has been able to kind of expand its 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 footprint just being on fight now, being that the, the shows are getting a bit – do you sense that they're getting a bit more traction now? I, I do. I do think English commentary uh, – and I, I'm, I'm one of those people, like I'm old school. I never needed it, but I do think – for the wider audience, because I think New Japan has kind of spoiled people in, mm-hmm. in a way with like Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton and, and Rocky Romero, whoever else joins them on commentary that people, if, if it's a big product that you're, that you want to, you know, sign up for the streaming service, that it's kind of a given that you're, that you should be providing English commentary. I, I am now the belief, like for their own sake, like all Japan should try to find you know, good English commentators to, to call their products for, for a different, like on a different channel than the Japanese commentary is on. I do think eventually Bushi Road should think about adding English commentary to stardom. Uh, I think that will ex- help expand that to the, to the uh, global audience as well. Um, and like the thing with Noah is like, I really enjoy the, what Stuart Fulton and Mark Pickering bring. I, I enjoy it a bit more than the new Japan team because I, you know, their roots are, are, are combat sports, right? Like both those guys. And what I like is the real sport feel style of their commentary as opposed to like kind of the more sports entertainment, you know, basis of like, like Kevin Kelly's commentary because he, he came up in the WWF and, and, and Ring of Honor. So that he comes with that background. Like, whereas like I think with, you know, especially Stuart Fulton, like there's, there's, there's there to tell the story of this match of both these guys, what they're, what they're going to be fighting for and like, and, and just giving information about who these wrestlers are that, you know, then they always treat it like this is your first time watching it, which I think is, is really, really smart. Uh, we can shift on over to the uh, champion carnival that wrapped up this past Monday um, in front of zero fans. Well, you know, like I, I think they have the perfect solution to zero fans. And that is like put members of the roster who aren't, participating in matches put them in the crowds because they can make noise and it, I, it wasn't a dead atmosphere like it was you know it, it wasn't great but it was it wasn't silence either it, it works better if they're in like a, a smaller venue like shinkiba first ring as opposed to cork and hall but i'll i'll take that over like a just as you know a clap crowd i i really will i i i really thought that that having the the roster members being the fans and yelling out stuff was let's was so much more palpable for for me at, at least you know that that I, I i got really into like uh, the last day you know because i thought there was a good atmosphere there and and overall john i loved this year's champion carnival like having just one block and it's just 10 people and there's hardly any like so, I, everyone in the in the tournament this year, I thought justified their participation in it and had good matches. And I I think it's been probably the best champion carnival for in the last 
last five years, maybe. Yeah, I, I didn't get to see as much as you did, but I I started really strong at the beginning, and I was I I agreed with you. I thought that uh, I was really intrigued by Shinjiro Otani, and uh, unfortunately he suffered an injury near the end. But he was having some spectacular matches with uh, uh, Kento Miyahara was a spectacular one. It just seemed like he was having all these interesting fresh matchups. Uh, that was one great story to it. Do you think because they were so close to the finish line, it was let's just do these empty arena shows versus let's hold off like the champion carnival final. That is a big show for them. And this is, you know, their live gate. Uh, They are much more dependent upon that. Do you think it was just, we're so close to the end. Let's just finish the tournament. Yeah, I I think that played into it. I do think they want to get to this, this Oda Ward gymnasium show, which is like one of their, like on paper, my God, what a, what a what a lineup they have here! Can I just tell you my top five matches from the carnival, John? Uh, yeah, sure. So number one is Shinjiro Tani versus Shitaro Ishino from uh, April twenty fifth. This is my favorite match of the whole tournament. I absolutely love the intensity of this match, and, and Shinjiro Tani, he's just he was just so amazing throughout all this. Like, check out this match. Check out the one he had with with uh, Kento Mirahara, but also check out. My number five match, which is, you know, Shinjiro Tani versus Yuma Aoyagi on, on day one on April 9th. Yeah, that, that number- set the tone. That really set the tone of Otani is here and it was going to be, um, you know, this was going to be a fun ride. Oh, yeah. I think also for Aoyagi, he, he's like in three of these of, of my top five here. Uh, num- number two was the finals between, you know, Jake Lee and Kento Miyahara on May 5th, on, uh, May 3rd. Uh, Suwama versus Aoyagi from April 24th and Jake Lee versus Aoyagi from April 18th. These, those are my top five matches in order of the champion carnival this year. And like the whole thing, like honestly, most of the matches, John, were less than 15 minutes. How, that's awesome. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I mean, they, they, they went long for the main event or for, for the finals. They, uh, I mean, a very rare kick out for the shutdown German that Jake Lee kicked out of. And I, I love the spot. I mean, it, it's kind of a take like you've seen, uh, Tomihiro Ishii do, but this, when he was going for the next shutdown and Jake Lee bites the top rope to prevent it and then fights off the hands and then makes the big, like fires up and hits the D4C, uh, that was an awesome closing sequence. I think just because of the sheer history you have between Miyahara and Lee, you know, they were stablemates in the original version of Next Dream. He broke off and then, you know, kind of like the idea with, I think, that they're trying to create with Lee is that he's going to be the Kawada to Miyahara's Misawa, like, and that's they're, they're re- they've been really trying to recreate that. But, like, the missing piece was, like, having him become a heel, like a full-on heel and, like, they finally did that and he formed this new group, Total Eclipse, which is like the, the members of, you know, Ashino's Enfant Terrible group that they turned on him and, and they joined up with Jake Lee. And I think it's done wonders for them. I think it's definitely done wonders for, for Jake. I think he's brought out a, a character or personality that I think a lot of people were like complaining that he didn't have before. And I think he has it now. And I think, you know, on, on May 16th, you know, the show goes through, you know, ahead with or without fans like that that jake lee's gonna find him because himself becoming the triple crown champion finally i i do hope they have some fans in there i, I do think it, it's something he, he deserves as someone who's i think worked really hard in the last three years to, to get to this point uh i thought suama and shuji ishikawa i thought that was a pretty strong match as well uh you did a number of losses uh for suama throughout this um set up like three challengers plus jake lee which will be the immediate one I, I mean, I think those are mainly kind of like you know red herrings to to think oh he's got to defend these against all the guys he's lost to in the carnival. But like I I think the logical thing to do is to 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 lose to Jake Lee. And I I say this all the time, but almost every Suwama defense like oh this is the guy he should lose it to. He should lose it to Shino. He should lose it to he should have lost it to Lee the last time he fought him for the title. I I think because this show. It's like they're branding it as Champions Night. This is the first time they've used this kind of like branding for this show. It's such a loaded like lineup that that, that they're ready to finally pull the trigger with with Jake Lee and like you know Suwama can have rematches with all these people as 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 Suwama. Like he's he's a legend, John. Like he's that guy. He doesn't need the title. 
you fighting him and beating him is like its own reward in a lot of ways. It's like beating Tanahashi in, in New Japan. Like, ah, it means something because it's Tanahashi. Suwama occupies the kind of that kind of role for for all Japan. Yeah, he actually he he lost to Zeus. He lost to Kohei Sato. Kento Miyahara, and on the last day, Ishikawa. So he had four losses throughout the tournament. So yeah, I would, I would agree that you're probably not going to get defenses against all of these people, but we will get the defense on May 16th against Jake Lee. And this is a pretty big card for all Japan that they have with their champions night. Yeah. So along with that, we got a world tag team title match between with next dream, Miyahara and Aoyagi taking on, uh, the twin towers. Uh, Kohei Sato and Shuji Ishikawa reforming their team that they had in different other different other promotions, John, including Big Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, the World Junior Heavyweight Championship, uh, Shima, the defending champion, will take on former champion Koji Iwamoto. That that he- six man on the finals that was an that was a super entertaining you know sub ten minute uh, six man that they had. I I think going forward, T Hawk and L Lindemann will bring so much. To all Japan, I like. I know strong hearts are are contracted to Gleet, but Gleet is not running a full schedule. It seems so. Like whenever they're not working for Gleet, let them let them do shows for 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 all Japan. And you know, like if they end up like just migrating more over to, to all Japan, I will not be complaining about that. But that was an awesome match. Just, oh, if you just, had had a full core Q and Hall, I think that six man just would have tore the place down. Like it was such a fun six man. And yeah, the strong heart, like they were great. It was like a really fun six man. Imagine if these guys actually were able to do more work for, for, for AEW and they were like an uh, established faction in that company. I think they, they would be one of those things that people would just be like, Whoa, Especially T, especially Lindemann. Like, I like T Hawk a lot, but I think L Lindemann's just like broken out as just like, like this next gen, like next level, like power junior heavyweight with an awesome head of hair on him. And my God, that tan, he was practically orange, John. He looked like Taz. Uh, so that's coming up at, uh, Oda Ward Gymnasium on May 16th, a very loaded card for, uh, All Japan with, uh, what do we have? Five championship matches on this one. Yeah, that's too many. They need to get rid of some of these belts. These this is, is going to be a tag- long show, dude. Fuck this six man tag team match. I mean, for one thing, the belt the belts look like garbage, and like get rid of get rid of that TV title. I hate that fucking thing too. But you know what? I, I'm looking forward to is the uh, the the Koji Doi Ikumarashi reforming their tag team from Russell One, and they're going to take on uh, Ryuki Honda and Shitara Shino. Ryuki Honda really impressed recently, John. He's he's like came into coming to the aid of Ashino, and he used to be in Russell One as a rookie there. So there's like history with all these guys. I think that's going to be a kind of a sleeper tag match on the undercard. Well, you know what anniversary occurred this week? Wh? What's that, John? This week was the 28th anniversary of Terry Funk and Atsushi Onita and their explosive barbed wire match on May the 5th of 1993. And you know what? Atsushi Onita woke up this week and he said, you know what the world of wrestling needs more of? Explosions. And thus, we have the creation of FMWE. The E stands for explosion, where... (laughs) They are just going to do exploding barbed wire death matches. It sounds like this is just going to be top to bottom. Well, apparently Onita said in the press conference, he was inspired by Ken Chan and John Moxley and their exploding barbed wire death match on, on AW's revolution show. And, and I don't know, John, his, his pay-per-view signal cut out for the last two uh, minutes. He, uh, can he match how great the ending of that match was? I don't know. I think he's got a lot to live up to. I don't know, even with his history with these types of matches, that he'll be able to top the incredible finish to Ken Chan and John Moxley's exploding barbed wire death match. In fairness, they they had a pretty fucking great match. Unfortunately, it's only going to be the explosion that is going to stand the test of time with that match. Hey John, you can eat the greatest steak in the world, <laughs> but then if your dessert is a if your dessert is actually dog shit. That's all you're going to remember. I would say that was a poor restaurant choice. That mm, well, Don't get me started. But anyways, yes. So they're going to run a show on July 4th uh, in Yokohama, and you will be able no, to stream. John you, John, you didn't mention the greatest part about this. It's going to be at the Surumi 
fruit and vegetable market. If I knew there was going to be a revival of fucking FMW with all exploding barbed wire death matches, and it was going to be held at a place called the Surumi Fruit and Vegetable Market, I would have gone. I would have moved heaven and earth to stay in Japan and gone to this show. So let me take everyone behind the curtain uh, for this show. WH sends me all of his notes, and then within the notes, he also puts some of his own uh, – he editorializes. And right at the bottom, he notes, the shows will be available for streaming for 1,000 yen. Yeah, I think I'll save my money. Well, WH, you are a professional, and I think – I think that you and I, I think we owe it to the listenership to stream – this show on the 4th of July, because everyone knows the biggest fireworks are going to be happening at the Surumi fruit and vegetable market on the 4th of July. All right. You know, <laughs> we should stream this for like the top patrons on YouTube just for them. And so everyone should sign up for the top, you know, level of the, of the post wrestling Patreon. Maybe, to, maybe to those will be a special bonus show. Yes. That's a Sunday. It's Sunday, July the 4th. I mean, what what could be better than Tsushi <laughs> Onita? Think he's is he going to wrestle on this show? Oh uh, yeah, he's such a mark for himself, probably. Jesus. Well, there you go. F- he's M- definitely going to have like a twenty minute fucking like soliloquy for the fans after whatever the last match will be. This this will have um a bizarre appeal to it if if they can actually promote this thing. I think there will be some interest in this because it's so wacky and because it's Onita. Yes, I I think a lot of people will watch this first show. I I think any subsequent shows after that will probably get less and less viewers because they're going to realize that, you know, what is it? The Emperor has no clothes and, and, you know, Onita has no more explosions up his leather jacket anymore. Well, let's end off with something that I know you're looking forward to because the Cinderella tournament, uh, unlike all Japan, they did halt the tournament and they will resume with the second round on uh, a week from uh, this coming Friday, uh, May the 14th at Core Kewen Hall. Uh, we're down to the, I guess, I guess we got several buys uh, to the second round with Hameka and Unagi Sayaka. And then this will set up uh, the final uh, the final two rounds on May the 29th at Oda Ward City Gymnasium, which is a fairly big venue for Stardom to run. Yeah, I, I think they're, you know, you know, pre state of emergency that they were hoping that the momentum of like the, the first round, which got a, I, I absolutely loved and like hopefully the second round was going to propel them to get a pretty good attendance. And like they're, they're running a pretty good wave, John, based on the Budokan show and like recent events. And I think, you know, the, them staying the course of like just being steady with their booking and, and not doing anything crazy and not having a crazy schedule has really endeared them to me recently and and i think to a lot of other fans and my only thing with them is like eventually they're gonna need to start streaming live like that's the that's the the next level that bushiroad has to take stardom world to is like being able to stream live and and get an english commentary team and like you know maybe i should never have left japan maybe they would have given me a call i don't know if i would have done that or not but anyway you're you're joking but like if you really had pushed for that i think that like that would have been something like i think like that's really what it comes down to is like english like if you're a company the level of stardom like it, that's relatively small it comes down to like commentary is not that difficult in this day and age to process you don't even have to physically be there uh it's just having knowledgeable people that can speak the language and hopefully have the technology that we can put a reliable English stream on our broadcast, but I'm with you. I think that uh, going live would help. I think having like, honestly, I would imagine that there are a bunch of people out there that don't want to commit to uh wrestle universe that have been buying the Noah shows on fight TV. Like I'll say like the last couple I've bought on fight, uh, even though it would be cheaper for me to just sign up for wrestle universe, which is what I'll probably end up doing. But I think there's like revenue to be made there, like with, with stardom. And that would give you the live option, which automatically makes it a bit more attractive than stardom world where you do have that lag. Yeah. And, and just, you know, you know, you, if you go on fight, for example, like then you need to have a commentary team that a lot of the 
people that you're trying to reach want to listen to and, and be able to understand and, and be able to follow the, the storylines. And the thing with like a company like startup is like you, you need to understand the storylines because there's a lot of deep storytelling between these different like wrestlers who are facing each other. Like, you know, like if I look at the, the, the second round here, so yeah, Unagi Sayaka has a bye. She's going to face the winner of Shuri and Utami Hayashishida. And like, they've been having a, a, a storyline, Shuri and Utami for the last, like, you know, several weeks, you know, Shuri's looking to become the next challenger for Utami's red belt. So there's a lot of interaction between these two, uh, Julia and Micah, who are, you know, both in Donna Del Mundo, they're going to face in the second round as well. Starlight Kid and Saya Kamitani, there's a lot of history there because, like, they used to be in the same faction until, you know, until, like, Saya Kamitani joined uh, Ueto Tai and turned heel on on all the people in Stars. Uh, Mayu versus Rina is, you know, like, that is an interesting match there. It's not, I think Mayu's going to win that. And, like, it's not a singles gonna... match you would typically see. That makes it kind of interesting. Yeah, and like they did a lot of upsets in the first round, so it it, it makes the second round more interesting. But I, I do think the match that you're gonna want to see is Himeka versus Mayu when when Mayu beats Rina in that match, and then you know like it's it's a really interesting second round because like it's really open to a lot of people. Like I, I love uh, these pairings. I think this looks like a really good card on the 14th. I I think you know for me my favorite to to win the whole thing is 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 Shuri. I think she's just been outstanding in her tag team role, in her singles role. And, and like, it, it seems they're very, very, very high on her. Like, and she's actually been a great promo. If, if you listen to like a lot of the post-match stuff she does and, and like, thankfully they're subtitled, but even if you have a, a small understanding of Japanese, like I do, it's, it's, it's like, oh, she's really cutting it really tight on these, on some of the people that she's cutting these promos on. Well, as we bring this show to a close, how is this for a segue? My team I would nominate to be the stardom English broadcast team would be WH Park and Dylan Fox. Well, you know, Dylan's going to listen to this and he's going to like just, you know, he's going to be so happy to get the endorsement from, from you, John, about that. And and you guys, and, you guys would kill it. I would I would love to listen to you too. I, I, stardom. I, I, well, definitely Dylan. I, I don't know about myself, but, you know, like speaking of Dylan, John. He's going to be the next guest host on on the next Post Perez in about two weeks' time. So that that's a great segue. But like, you know, who else? Like, I think would be a great great person to nominate it is my guest from last week, Karen Peterson. She's her understanding of Japanese unbelievable, and, and she really follows Stardom really really closely. She's a great follow to have on Twitter if you if you want to she, have an she's understanding. Such an excellent resource. I I had not heard her on a podcast before, but I follow her. Um, and her her knowledge was just it was tremendous. It was a really great show last week. If we ever do something about you know Hani Kimura, like a show about her, maybe with the memorial show that's coming up, like she's someone I would definitely like like to have on a show with the two of us together talking about great. something like that. Yeah. Well. Uh, you're going to be back in two weeks then with, uh, with Dylan Fox. So I'm sure you guys will be, uh, covering the, the second round of this, uh, Cinderella tournament that, uh, is going down at Core Q and Hall. I, I just don't understand why people would go to these shows in the long run with like the, the level of, like how how much the the infection rates have grown relative to us here in Ontario. Like the entire country is, I think it seems like it's still lower than than us as a province in in, in Canada. But you know, con- con- considering like how compact and how small and how dense the populations in the big cities are, like it's 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 really it's really it's not something like. Like I would do, even if I was fully vaccinated, John. And I said before, no vaccination, no WH at any show. Like even if I'm fully vaccinated, I'm probably still not going to anything live for a long time. It, it's going to be an interesting process to watch. Of even once people are vaccinated, like what percentage are still going to have that that hesitancy? There's obviously going to be those that are just going to race back to shows, but um, the the larger the population as a whole to watch. How many return to sporting events, to concerts? I mean, that, that's something that will be played out over the next year or two. And that's, that's going to be a very interesting res- response to see what, what it is for people that might, might just look at all of these factors of, Hey, I, I can watch all of this stuff from home and they're just, they're setting their ways now. And it's going to take a lot to get them to go sit in a giant stadium with 40,000 other people. I don't know what next time I'm going to go see 
a movie in the theater, John, even if I'm fully vaccinated, like they would have to have like a lot of safety protocols. Like if they do the, you know, like glass partitioning between seats and it's every other seat, maybe I would go, but it, it's still like something I don't know how comfortable I'll feel going to see a movie even after I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. What if, uh, what if Benno flies over and you, me, WH, and Benno all go and watch uh, F9 with Vin okay. Diesel? I, I, that I would do because like I, I want to see – I want to have the Fast and the Furious experience with Benno in the seat next to me for sure. <laughs> Benno's listening to this and thinking there's no way I'm – you guys come over here. I'm not going all the way over there. What are you talking about, John? He fucking loved coming over here. He's like, oh, fuck you. I'll go over there. <laughs> You know, Benno and I have, have never uh, officially met, but we were both at the uh, at the ROH card the night of Blood Generation and Do Fixer. Yeah, I mean, like I, I love Benno's talking <laughs> talking about his ROH experience, his fandom of of ROH. He had the tracksuit, John. You know, that's that's saying everything right there. But yeah, like listen, if, if Benno came over, listen, if our good friend Martin Bushby and his wife Lisa came over, I would I would go out for an outing with them and you and way and whoever else wanted to to join us. All right. Well, there you go. Open invitation, Benno, if you are listening, Uh, but that's going to wrap it up. Give the man a follow at WH park nine. Don't come at him because he'll respond. WH. It's all. I will send you a picture of a line in the bathroom (laughs) of your, during your favorite fucking wrestlers match. The man brings receipts. Don't cross them. That's it for us. Thanks for listening to post pro res.